The story of the multiplication of the loaves is recounted in all four of the Gospels. In fact, it is the only miracle story, aside from the resurrection, which is told by all four Gospel writers. Thus, it should be clear that this story is something that is worthy of our close attention. In John's account of the miracle, it is almost immediately followed by the Bread of Life discourse, Christ's most detailed explanation of the Eucharist. In this discourse, Jesus tells the skeptical Jews, My flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. And unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. In other words, our salvation depends upon our ability to discern the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Now, this might seem unfair. Why should our faith rise or fall depending upon our understanding of this particular sign or sacrament? Well, the reason is, is because if we fail to see the meaning of the Eucharist, we won't make sense of the arc of salvation history. If we fail to see why Christ gives us his body and blood in the Eucharist, we're not grasping the nature and meaning of his incarnation and sacrifice on our behalf. In setting the scene for the multiplication, the gospel passage says, the Jewish feast of Passover was near. The Passover was associated in the Jewish faith with the Exodus, their escape from slavery in Egypt. In the Passover, the Jews slaughtered a year-old lamb or goat and painted the doorposts of their home with the blood so that the judgment of God on all of Egypt would pass over their home. But this, of course, was only a temporary fix. It did not cleanse Israel of her sins. It only held God's judgment in abeyance, which is why both the Passover and the temporal sacrifice had to be repeated continually. Yet in situating the multiplication miracle close to the Passover, and then later instituting the actual Last Supper on Passover itself, Jesus is showing here that there is a new rite that will take the place of the Passover meal. And unlike Passover, this new rite of Christ's body and blood will actually work the remission of sins in a way that the blood of goats and lambs never could. The other thing we notice in the beginning of the gospel passage is that it says that after Jesus crossed over the Sea of Galilee, he went up on the mountain and there he sat with his disciples. This imagery of going up the mountain reflects Moses, who ascended the mountain to meet God and there received the law inscribed upon the two tablets. Jesus, by taking his place on the mountaintop, likewise shows people that they here are receiving the announcements of a new law, the law of love that will be contained in Christ's sacrifice presented in the Eucharist. And unlike Moses, who went up alone to meet God on the mountain, all of the disciples here went up to meet Jesus, just as we can all experience the Eucharist, the presence of Christ, up close and personal. Next, we see that when it came time to free, feed the crowd of about 5,000 people, Jesus had only five loaves and two fish to work with. Now, it might seem odd that Jesus was multiplying loaves and fish in prefigurement of the Eucharist. As we know, the Lord's Supper consisted of bread and wine as his body and blood. 
But as we see later in the Bread of Life discourse, Jesus says, your ancestors ate the manna in the desert. Thus, Jesus is showing the connection between the Eucharist, prefigured here in the multiplication, and the Jews receiving the miraculous bread that floated down from heaven in the desert. Note, however, that in the Exodus account of the manna from heaven, God also provided the Israelites with quail. The quail flew into their camps and fell to the ground. This was to supplement their diet with something other than bread. If we go back to Genesis, note that all land animals, and this also includes birds, fell under the condemnation of sin that caused God to flood the world in the time of Noah. We associate birds with the sky, of course, but they are truly terrestrial animals, unlike fish. They live at least some of their time on the ground. Noah was specifically instructed to gather not just pairs of the walking animals, but also every bird into the ark. Because all of these creatures were under judgment, and the ones not in the ark would be destroyed. Yet this was not true of the fish, of course, which dwelt in the sea. They were not under the condemnation of sin, and they were not destroyed in the flood. Because of this, under the dietary laws of the Old Testament, which kosher observant Jews follow even today, there are precise regulations for the slaughtering of animals that are to be eaten. And one of the most important aspects of kosher slaughter is that all blood must be carefully drained away from the animal's flesh because consuming the blood is strictly forbidden. The reasoning behind this is that it was a common pagan practice to consume blood. But more importantly, Jews believe that the blood, whether of an animal or of a, life, or of a person, contained the life force of that creature. To drink the blood of an animal was to debase oneself to become more like the animal that the blood came from. So in pagan cultures which often worshipped animals and in which people desired animalistic powers, that was precisely the point. But to the Jew, it was denying the truth that men and women, and not animals, were made in the image and likeness of God. But it's interesting, there are not similar rules against the consuming of fish blood. That points to the fact that fish, being from the sea, do not fall under that same condemnation of sin that afflicted man and all land animals in Genesis. Thus, in Exodus, when God provides the Israelites with the quail along with the bread, it was a sign that although this was a generous gift, it was still not perfect. It was not like the sacramental bread that we receive today. It was still colored by sin that would not be taken away until Christ atoned for the sins of the whole world. As Jesus says, the Jews ate this bread, and of course it sustained them in body, but yet they still died. The manna did not offer everlasting life. By contrast, Jesus says of the bread and wine offered in the Eucharist, whoever eats this bread will live forever. The salvific quality of the Eucharist is founded upon Christ's innocent blood because he, unlike us, was not stained by original sin. Hence the use of the fish at the multiplication miracle as a clear sign pointing to Christ's precious blood in the Eucharistic banquet, even though fish would be replaced by wine in the Lord's Supper, which I suppose is a good thing. I imagine it would be kind of awkward if someone had to bring a fish up for the Eucharistic offering in Mass. 
probably smell up the place. We also see that in the gospel passage, after the people have eaten the miraculous loaves and fish, Jesus says, gather the fragments left over so that nothing will be wasted. And they collected 12 baskets full, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. This is in contrast to the manna from heaven, which the Jews could gather to eat as needed, but they were strictly ordered not to keep it overnight. They could only gather as much as their family could eat in one day. It is noted in Exodus that the Jews who tried to keep it overnight found that the next day it was wormy and spoiled. This again shows that the Eucharist is the bread of everlasting life. Unlike the manna which spoiled, the presence of Christ endures in the Eucharist, which is why it is reserved in the tabernacle. This symbolizes that Christ's sacrifice endures spiritually forever. The Eucharist does not merely keep us alive in body, as did the manna for the Jews. The Eucharist instead is an infusion of grace that continually leads us to eternal life. Finally, we note that the Jews for whom Jesus performed this miracle were so impressed that they wanted to take him away and make him their earthly king. They failed to grasp the spiritual significance of the multiplication. They simply saw it as a generous exercise of power. Yet this miracle is really meant to show us what the Eucharist will be. If we fail to understand the symbolism of the multiplication miracle, we will misunderstand the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. And if we miss that, we will fail to grasp the essentials of Christ's life, death, and resurrection. And if that happens, we will not have eternal life within us.